why don't you welcome the bishop? Bishop Ayo. Thank you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I, uh, a couple of months I was up here and I said something about Pastor Dave and his heart, you know, for the church and for the people. He wasn't here. I think he was away at Massey then, <laughs> you know, but... um. Over the months, you know, God has just shown that heart more and more. You know, how that he's secure in his place. And I said then that not many people, you know, not many ministers, not many preachers or pastors have, have a heart like that, that is free, you know, and open and, and, you know, secure in themselves, in their calling and in their mission, in their assignment, enough to give room, you know, for others to discover themselves, you know, and, and live out their calling. Ephesians and 4 and verse 11 say something. It says about apostles, you know, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers that they are given as a gift, you know, to the church. Now, the way Christianity happens these days or a lot of time is that we look up to those guys and we exalt them. You know, we, honor is good. Honor is befitting. You know, the Bible says that those who labor in the word are worthy of double honor. But scriptures actually say that those gifts, those, those, those apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers, they are given to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. Not primarily, as it were. It's not about focusing on their ministry, but equipping others to discover their ministry and find expression. You know, and, and I just honor, I honor Pastor Dave and, and Pastor Kate, and I just um, you know, thank God for the opportunity time and time again. I, I don't take any opportunity to preach or share lightly, you know, so I'm very grateful. And I just trust God that, as he said earlier while we were worshiping, you know, that there's a lot of wrestling. I sensed it in my spirit while I prepared, you know, for tonight, that there's a lot of wrestling in the house, and, and, and people find themselves in a place where some need a, a, a glimpse of their identity, you know, in Christ. Some need a glimpse of the value and, and, and the worth that God, you know, placed on them because they've come, you know, to Christ. The sensing of God's Father's heart and love, you know, for us, you know, in this place. So, wherever you're at today, I just encourage you. I just encourage you to, to, to step forward, you know, step forward, step up. You know, don't, don't, don't lean to the back. Don't hide in the shadows. It's all about you and God. When you come into the house of God, you stand before the throne of grace, not before man. Now, it's kind of funny because there's people all around, but where God is concerned, it's him and you. So with all boldness, step forward, you know, and just open your heart to him. Yield, you know, yourself to him to move, to speak, to lift you out, you know, of that, of that struggle, of that battle, because only he can do that. Amen. Amen. Tonight I want to share something, and it's the same Ephesians. If you just turn your Bibles with me to the book of Ephesians and 1, and I'll just get right into it, and then we can, uh, as it were, you know, just enjoy the Holy Spirit, enjoy God, and find chains broken off in this place. I, I, hope, I'm able to, I hope I'm able to keep my cool, you know, as I go through. <laughs> Hallelujah. Amen. Ephesians and 1 and verse 3, some very simple, you know, scriptures say, it says, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. Every, not a few, not some, not a little, but every spiritual blessing in the heavenlies through Christ. And I thought a while ago, I thought, like, how many things can I, can I count exactly that, 
you know, God accomplished and achieved in my heart, in my life, you know, when I came to Christ. And you talk about things like deliverance. You talk about things like healing. You talk about things like the fact that we have been adopted, you know, as God's own son. And, and a flood of all those things, you know, just came through my mind. And they come through my mind repeatedly time and time again. And I believe that these things are foundations that we need to hold on to as Christians. Because when the going gets tough, it's who you know you are. You know, that, that saves you in the hard day, as it were. I say, if you run with horses and you're weak, <laughs> what would happen, you know, when, when the race gets hot, as it were? So tonight, I want to talk about one of those things, just one of those things about the Holy Spirit. And as we worshiped, and as those words, you know, came forth, those prophetic words and those ministrations came forth tonight, I just marveled at how the Holy Ghost works because everything just fits together perfectly. You have to come to a place where you realize it's not about me. <laughs> It's not about me. It's not about it. It's God moving in his house. Amen. In the same chapter, if you go down to um, verse three, uh, 13, rather, it says, in whom you also trusted. That's Ephesians 1 and verse 13. In whom you also trusted after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom, having believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. In whom, having believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. Tonight I want to talk about the sealing of the Holy Spirit. Because in that sealing, there's, there's so much truth. There's so much power. There's so much deliverance. There's breakthrough in the sealing work of the Holy Ghost. We love the Holy Spirit when He speaks to us. We love the Holy Spirit when we get up in worship and we lift our hands and we speak in tongues and we exercise, you know, spiritual gifts and we receive spiritual gifts. There's also a dimension of the Holy Ghost and, and the purpose God, you know, put him in our hearts to achieve, which is his sealing work. And I'll just slow down a little. When it comes to a seal, I mean, it's, I'll just explain briefly. It, it could mean uh, three or so th simple things. It could be a mark or a symbol. It could be a, I don't know, a form of identification. Now, for those of us who watch things like Game of Thrones and stuff like that, you, you see how that each of those houses have their particular seals. Each of those houses have their marks. If you go further back in history, and some, you know, monarchies today, where they're still kings and queens, they have their royal seal. If Obama gets on stage and is, you know, making a speech or something, you see behind him the seal of the President of the United States. So it's a mark of identity. It's a mark of authority. It's a mark of ownership as it were. And we see all through scriptures, you know, when God, you know, called right from when he called Abraham and he made a covenant, he made a promise to him. Bible says he instructed him, I believe it's Genesis and uh, 11, thereabout, but we won't go there. God made a covenant, you know, he made a promise to Abraham and he told him, he says, look, as a mark or as a symbol of this covenant, I want you to go and circumcise every male in your house. And that will be a seal or a symbol of my covenant with you. When he brought Israel out of Egypt and he brought them into the promised land, he told them, he said, look, do not associate with the heathen nations. Do not take from them wives unto yourselves. Do not take their gods unto yourselves. Why? Because he wanted them to, to be set apart or to stand apart as his own special people bearing the mark of his covenant. When he called Moses... 
Moses was obviously full of excuses. And he said, how will they know that you sent me? He said, tell them that I am, that I am has sent you. Moses said, but what if they still don't? He says, what is that in your hand? A rod. And he threw that rod as a symbol of Moses' authority. He performed many, many signs and wonders. That was a seal or a symbol of Moses' authority. When Jesus was baptized in the Jordan by John the Baptist, as he stepped out of the water, the Bible says the heavens opened up and the Holy Spirit descended in the form of a dove and then there came a loud voice from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased. That was a sign of Christ's apostleship. A sign. So when you think about the seal, you know, I, I want you to think in those contexts, ownership, authority, and, and stuff like that. Back, back in Nigeria, I went to boarding house for a few years, and it really was, it was a jungle in there. <laughs> now, I'm not saying we're living in forests or anything, but I mean, it was a hard and rough and tough life, you know. You had seniors who could pick on you, and they had every right to do so. They had, you had seniors who could beat you physically, and they had every right to do so. You had seniors who would go into your wardrobes and take your provisions. Now, when I say provisions, it's like, what language are you speaking? You must be from like the 17th century or something. But you had your groceries, right? That you leave home, you're going to school for three or four months. And so you, you, you stack up and then you go. And then you had seniors who could come into your wardrobe and just commandeer everything you owned, you know, and just take it away. Some even stole your very bed, your mattress, and, you know, stuff like that. And you had kids, oh, now, now everyone would look at me and be like, oh. <laughs> now, now, but I, I'm just painting a picture for you, you know. And, and so when we go to school with things like uh, bags or buckets and mattresses, you would take like some paint or some permanent marker and you would engrave your name you know in the bucket like this is mine so anyone steals it you can at the tap next week or next month or next term you could see your bucket and know that's my bucket and and then you have every right to take it because it's your name you know that is on there that was like a seal a mark of our ownership you know and and so when, when scriptures say that when we heard the gospel of our salvation and believed in God he put his seal on us, the Holy Spirit. Let me read it in the New Living Translation. It says, when you believed in Christ, he identified you as his own. Bracket, he put his seal on you by giving you the Holy Spirit. And I read that and I was like, that is beautiful. He identified me as his own. When, when you hear scriptures read, I would like us not to think about, oh, first century Christians, those guys in Jerusalem and stuff like that. You need to put yourself in there. You need to put your name in there. You need to see yourself. Scriptures are saying when you raised your hand, when you stepped forward or in your bedroom or wherever you were, maybe you were about to have an accident and you just called out to God to save you. When you believed on him, he marked you as his own. We live in a day and age in which Perhaps one of the greatest evils is the pain of rejection. A day and age in which one of the things that marks growing, you know, young men and young women and some of us adults is the fact that at some point or the other we had suffered rejection from the people that mattered most. We live in a day and a time in which we're, technically you're made to pay and really pay for your, your sins and your past and stuff. Families where they're always quick to remind you of where you're coming from. Always quick to remind you of how you failed. 
Always quick to remind you of how you don't measure up and how you're not good enough and stuff like that. Now, not all of us, but it's something we can associate with, you know, in some way or the other. But when you think, God, we sang a song earlier, Majesty, created the heavens, created the mountains and all of that. And that majesty, that glorious God, that all-sufficient God, the everlasting King and Father, marked me as his own. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. If you recall, there was a time when um, Daniel, it was the reign of the King Darius, and the, the leaders of that time, you know, decided that, look, this Daniel guy, he's rising too high. Darius is just in love with this guy. We're going to put him in trouble. So we will make a decree that any man that prays to any other god, you know, will be cast into a lion's den. You remember the story? Good. Now, Bible records that when Darius signed that decree, it was impossible to reverse it because he had signed and given effect to that law with his royal seal. Amen. I'm trying to, you know, drive a point home here. Now, again, Daniel, you know, went to his house, threw open the windows and prayed to the Lord three times as his habit had been since he was a kid. And they saw him and they went and reported to Darius and they brought him. And Darius, you know, because he loved Daniel so much, he he was thinking of how to save Daniel. But because he had signed and executed that decree with his royal seal, there was no, he couldn't reverse the decree. And that's why he submitted and let them cast Daniel into the den. Bible says he went home and he fasted. He couldn't sleep. Why? Because the deed was done. Bible actually says that each of those, they called them satraps or something. It's like saying counselors or mayors. You know, all of them, when they brought a rock and they put it at the mouth of that den, they all took off their signet rings because the signet ring would have your seal, your mark. And if you were going to put it on wax, you would stamp it so it's your seal, it's your authority. They all took off their signet rings and they laid it on that rock, meaning that no one on heaven and earth could reverse that and save Daniel from that place. So Darius had to go home and sleep, and then came the next morning very early. Daniel, are you there? Now, the picture I'm saying is this. When God puts his royal seal on you, it's without equivocation. There's no going back. There's no going back. You are sealed and sealed for good. Bible says, Romans 11 and 29, I believe it says that the gift and the calling of God is irrevocable. So it's not conditional love. It's not conditional acceptance. It's unconditional. It's for now and forever. Amen. Hallelujah. Get excited about that. Shout hallelujah. Amen. I'm still coming back to, um, don't jump ahead of me, but I'm still coming back to Ephesians and chapter 1. Amen. Now look at 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians and 6. Just two verses and, you know, fly ahead. In verse 19 and 20, let me read in the NLT. It says, don't you realize that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you and was given to you by God? You do not belong to yourself, for God bought you with a high price. So you must honor God with your body. God bought you with a high price. We all know what it cost him. We won't fully understand on this side of eternity, but we know. Cost him the life of his dear son. And he says, you do not belong to yourself. You belong to God. 
Take away from your mind that, th those memories of, of your failings. Because God doesn't see you as a failure. Take away, you know, every sense of low self-esteem. Take away every sense of a lack of worth. Because as far as God is concerned, when he sees you, he sees a perfect child. He sees a perfect son, a perfect daughter. He sees value. He sees Jesus in you. And before you look back and be like, dude, I'm not sure you're talking. <laughs> I'm not sure you're talking about me. In you. Thank you, Jesus. When I was a kid, <laughs> I, um, it's just funny. There was, um, we had a maid at some point in time. We had maids at, you know, different times when I was a kid. And I'm talking like six, seven-ish. And God has blessed me with a memory, you know, that, that remembers odd things and stuff. Now, one particular maid, you know, was, she lived with us and all of that. Now, at night after we have dinner and mom and dad are watching the news or having, seeing the news, not watching. Um, she would gather us in the room and would play games and stuff. And by and by, I remember a particular incident, you know, in which our youngest, our youngest, my sister was in the lounge with mom and dad and stuff. But this maid, you know, started to actually, well, the word technically is abuse, like kiss my brother, you know. We were kids, you know, so it was technically, you know, abuse. <laughs> and um, kissed my brother, kissed my sister, you know, and kissed me. Remember, I'm talking six years old, seven. And, and then she went ahead. This is just one night. I'm not saying it happened over time. It's just one shot in my memory. And after a while, she said... <laughs> Oh, I, I'm, not, I'm not kissing you anymore. Your mouth stinks. <laughs> you know, and now that grieved me. It, it hurt me as a kid. I was like, no, kiss me too. <laughs> and it's crazy. When I was thinking about it, I, when God, you know, brought that to mind as I prepared this, I was like, how on earth would I feel rejection because I wasn't kissed or abused in that kind of situation? Like, but that stayed with me for a good while. Stayed with me for a good while. And um, by and by, I, I started to, you know, suffer from stuff like just a sense of low self-worth. And I, I wanted to please people a lot. I wanted to be, you know, counted amongst folks. Even on the football field, like, they'll pick teams and I'll be the one there like, pick me, pick me. And, and I'll just be, like, I, just stuff like that recurred again and again and again while I was growing up. It got so bad at some point that I would, I would actually sneak into my dad's room, you know, as, remember, a kid, and actually steal money from him and get to school and take my classmates, you know, to the shops or the dairy. This is London. And I'll buy ice cream and buy candy and buy stuff for them, trying to win their friendship. That was how, you know, low that went, you know, with me. Got to a time, though, years and years later after high school, I got saved. And I, I saw a scripture, Ephesians 2 and 10, that says that I am God's workmanship, you know, created in Christ Jesus. And I looked into what it means to be God's workmanship, and it means a masterpiece, a work of art. And those kind of scriptures started raising in me again a sense of worth, a sense of value. And then I saw a scripture where Paul said that, look, I care not if I'm judged by you. Because I don't even judge myself. Because God, in God, I'm called. In God, I'm justified. So I, it's not about what you think about me. 
and as, as the Holy Spirit laid, you know, those scriptures and those words on my heart, you know, he said to, you know, talk to, if you permit me, to the young folks in church and wherever else they are, you know, that your value must never come from what anyone else says about you. Your value is, is a seed that is planted within you. You're blessed to be in church. You're blessed to have parents who have brought you here, who have opened, you know, the opportunity to see God and know God and have such truths, you know, like how that God has called you his own, mine. It's not about what friends, you know, say at high school. It's not about the pressures, you know, to, 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 to look right or to talk right or to flow in their circles and stuff. Stand, you know, in, in your own sense of value. Because he loves you. He loves you. It's not about your height. It's not about what you look like. It's not about what you can do or what you can't do. God has blessed you with a mark. It's like you bear a surname that identifies you with your family. That is what God has put on you, value. And perhaps there's any of us here. Remember I said there's another sensing of what a seal, you know, means and what it does. It's a mark of authority. It's a mark of authority. And the Holy Spirit is calling us fathers and mothers here to rise up and stand in our authority. Speak over our families. Speak over our children. Speak over this land and this nation. And perhaps it's your own personal battle. You have authority to stand against every demon. You have authority to stand against every failure, every sin, you know, every, every betrayal, every hurt, every pain, every shame. He has given you authority. In fact, when I think about things like this, I, 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 I just cringe in my heart because I see a picture of saints and Christians who will stand before God, you know, one day and realize at that point how much power we had. Realize at that point how much grace we carried. Realize at that point how much authority and power that we have in God. This is our time. I always say that when I get to heaven, there's no one to heal. <laughs> oh, do, am I going to give a word of knowledge to an angel? <laughs> or am I going to say, Jesus, just stand out and just pray? <laughs> this is our time. Honest. This is our time. In our workplaces, in terms of in our business, our neighbors can, can get a sensing of what we carry without even a spoken word. Your street can know that something happened when those guys moved in. And I'm not, this, is, this ain't motivation. It's not, I'm not just trying to rile you up and like, yay, and all. This is truth. This is truth. We've had time and time again, you know, where, where people would say that stuff like, well, I don't know what it is about you. I don't know why, but, you know, not only stuff like I'm drawn to you. Ask Pastor Dave, he's shared time and time again about his course when he was on course, how they couldn't place it how they couldn't describe or define it, but they knew there was a difference in what he carried. The same thing in what you carry. You get a job with, with a politician and you work with him and after you leave, I'm talking about myself now, before we moved to New Zealand in 2012, I worked as a special advisor to a guy who worked with a governor in one of the states in Nigeria and I was with him for a year. When we moved to New Zealand, the first report I heard a few months later was how that he hadn't stopped shouting and singing and all of that about when I was there. And how that he hasn't found anyone else, you know, that I, I'm talking about faithfulness. I'm talking about a heart, grace, love, you know, that brings peace to wherever you find yourself. 
This world has trained us so much, even social media contributes to it, where you tend to think that everything good is outside of yourself. It's like, oh, I'm not good enough. I don't look fine enough. I'm not tall enough. I'm not handsome enough. I'm not pretty enough. Uh, I'm, whatever it is, it's like everyone else has it all, but I have nothing. But God looked at you, and he was proud to say, mine. You belong to me. You're my son. You're my daughter. It's not about the addiction. It's not about, it's not about the failures. It's, it's not about the sin. It's not about the past. It's not about the rejection. It's not about the things that you might, you know, struggle with today. It's about him and how he sees you. Amen to Jesus. Amen to Jesus. You know, when Pastor Dave prayed with that young lad here, my, my heart was just, you know, just bouncing and jumping within me because Bible says in John and 1 and verse 13, he says, unto as many as believed him, he gave the right. He gave the authority to be sons of God. That's who we are. It's not about human descent. It's not about, it's not. So at some point, you need to realize that there's such a thing as generational curses. And it's real. It's, it's real. There's such a thing as ancestral lines. But there's also such a thing as realizing that when you step out and step in faith in Christ Jesus, it's, you receive a blood transfusion, as it were. You step into a new bloodline, into the family of God. And as, as much as you can feed your heart on that and latch onto it in faith, you can break those lines of generational curses. You can step into a new dimension. And then everyone who follows you is covered, as it were, by that grace. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I might be saying to you a lot, not too much, but a lot and so fast. But um, just hold on to these things. Hold on to these things. So that's ownership, identity, authority. And then the last thing I'll speak about is something that is just so exciting. It's just so exciting. Ephesians and 1. Ephesians and 1, and then we'll just begin to wrap up and close. I don't know if you've heard that um, a good preacher wraps up four times. <laughs> so if you think I'm done, nah, just kidding. <laughs> Someone is like, you better be done. <laughs> Ephesians 1 and verse, well, we've read verse 13. Now, look at what verse 14 says. It says, now, let me read half of 13. It says, in whom also, having believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession to the praise of his glory. You're like, what is all that? New Living Translation. It says, the Spirit is God's guarantee. That he will give us the inheritance he promised. And that he has purchased us to be his own people. When God placed the seal and the spirit within you, that was a deposit. That was a down payment. Saying truly, just hold on to that, I'll be back. <laughs> Some of you kids don't know what I'm talking about. <laughs> oh yeah, I'll be back. A down payment. And, and you know, in ancient times, that was how... You know, merchants traded. You would go so far from your home city and all, you would go buy things like linen and wool and stuff, and you would probably come across another merchant who had something you needed, you wanted, but maybe you bought all you had to buy. You're left with not much money. So this is like the history of lay-by and things like, <laughs> like deposits. But it wasn't money. What you would do is you'd probably give like a donkey or like a horse 
or like some of the material you just bought, or you would even like just hold, take my servant. He would serve you. I'll go home, and that's that's guaranteeing you that I will be back. So the value of what you left behind was the sense of worth that that item you intended to buy. You know, it was like if you intend to buy this speaker, like you could probably just leave like a pen or something. But if you, if you were going to buy like this building, you'd probably leave like what? Your life or like a car or something. But I mean, they would leave something behind. And that, the fact that I placed something of value and gave it to you and I said, look, in two months' time, I'm going to return and I will pay for that item. And then I'll take my deposit and I'll take the item I bought from you. So Bible says that when God placed his spirit within you, have you ever wondered why he left us here on earth? <laughs> Why didn't I just like zap and help? That would have just solved so much. <laughs> like why struggle with sin? Why just in this crazy world? Like God. Now, but he left us here obviously to, to populate the kingdom, to extend his love and grace in this world. But he didn't just leave us here, you know, hopeless and all. He gave us a deposit. Remember Bible says that he bought us at a great price. Jesus Christ. Now he didn't just buy us at a great price. He left a deposit saying, I guarantee you I'll be back for you. So what does this mean? Because, hallelujah, when you hear things like that, what does that mean? I always like to translate spiritual truth into practical realities because it's practical realities that will save me like on the streets tomorrow at work or whenever like life comes at me. It's not so much of what I just know up in my head. It's about what's real to me. Now what that means is basically irrespective of what you face, irrespective of the battles you fight here on earth, you have a guarantee. Your eternal future is safe in God. You have a guarantee. Now, what does that mean? It means that the worst of what you're seeing now will not see the end of you. It means that, oh, you might battle with addiction. You might battle with, you know, failure or, or some mental attitude, sins or health or stuff like that. It doesn't end here. It doesn't end here. There's a guarantee. And that means he's coming to take us home with him. Heaven is your inheritance. It's not something you're struggling to earn and then when you die, we'll decide if you made it or if you didn't. It's your home. It's your inheritance now. You're a citizen of heaven. Why? Because you're seated together with Christ in the heavenly places. So that means I'm simply waiting. I'm not waiting to see if I measure up. I'm waiting to rejoice in eternity with my king. It means I might be broke now, but what's the worst that can happen? I'll, what's the worst that could happen? I'll go hungry. But then I have an eternal future in Christ. Even if I die in hunger, I know that as I'm closing those eyes, I'm opening them in eternity with Christ. The Bible says to, to, to be absent from this world is to be present with the Lord. And there's a whole thing around there. There's a whole doctrine around that, you know, where folks think, oh, there's, there's an in-between or like you just stay in limbo, you know, and stuff like that. But, but Paul says, look, shut my eyes in the body, open them in eternity with Christ. If you're excited about the fact that you have an eternal future that is safe and secure, shout hallelujah. 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 Let's go out there in power. Let's go out there, you know, fierce in the Holy Ghost. There's such a thing as, as, as being fierce in the Holy Spirit. There's such a thing as standing in your authority. There's such a thing as standing in a sense of who you are. In a full understanding of your identity in Christ. 
Let's rise to our feet right now. Let's just rise to our feet and just get into, like, the worshipers, please. Let's just get up here and worship. God is breaking chains in this house tonight. These truths are seeds. Seeds that will germinate. Seeds that will bear fruit. Tonight. It's not about who else is here. It's about you. It's about you. It's about your person. So right now as we just worship, as we raise those hands and as we just bless his name, I want us to to just feed on our hearts. You know where God is speaking to you right now. I see many weak in this place. You've battled for so long. You've struggled for so long to measure up. It might be to a parent. It might be to a friend. It might be to someone who's made you feel incompetent and inadequate all your life. But that ends here tonight. That ends here tonight. The seal of the Holy Ghost. God's ownership is on you. You're worth more than a cattle on a thousand hills. (laughs) You're worth more than all creation. As beautiful as the world is, New Zealand is beautiful, it's awesome, it's really, really beautiful. But this world will be wrapped up like a dirty garment and thrown into fire. Jesus didn't die to save the mountains or the peaks or the fountains or or, or the waterfalls. He died to save you. He died to place you in oneness with God. He died to lift you out of hopelessness, out of dirt, out of failure, out of shame, out of pain, into love and into his grace, into his life. Tonight as we just lift those hands, the Holy Spirit moves. Angels on assignment in this house, bringing strength, bringing a new picture into hearts in this house. <laughs> hey, let your mind be blown with how precious you are in the Father's eyes. We love you, Lord. We love you.